tell you what I am semi excited about, but not really because I'm married with kids. But the Oculus Rift porn, where you can like look around and shit, that's gonna that's gonna be pretty fucking crazy. Let me tell you something. Already done it, and it's amazing. I just took my phone and held it up really close to my face, and, uh, <laughs> and it was great. It was great. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it takes POV to a whole nother level, my friend. It's like that Fort Minor video, you know, you're just, maybe there's like a poster on your wall that caught your eye and you can look at it for a couple seconds. <laughs> can you imagine like 20 <laughs> years in the future when masturbation is totally different, when there's like machines that simulate everything? If it gets too good, I don't think people are going to get into real relationships. So I think well, they should, they should watch out, man. Cause it's people, a problem in Japan. People, yeah, in Japan, I was about to say, they have those live-in maids and those guys are perfectly content with it. Getting caught masturbating 20 years from now is going to be an ordeal. You're going to have, like, a machine on your dick that simulates vagina. You're going to have, like, little tingly sensation things on your finger. Yeah, you can't even play it off. You're just like, I'm I'm caught. It'll take, like, 20 minutes to take everything (laughs) off me. So What are you doing? I'm on the roller coaster simulator. Why is your dick hooked up? Oh, it gives you that gives you that that falling feeling. I gotta do it. I gotta do it through your dick. I don't know the feeling we get in our nuts when there's a drop. You got that's gonna be hilarious. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. I mean, that's the way I don't go around with a T-shirt on that says, oh, guys, I play magic. It's one of those things like if I were on a fucking dating show, it would be like, what's something weird that you do? Oh, I play Magic the Gathering because it's fun as shit. It's like chess on heroin. I'll just stick with chess. Name of this Pokemon is called Licky Licky. I'm about to knock my shit out. I thought it was Licky Tongue. It's upgraded. Oh, his favorite. Just knock, just knocked my shit out of the park. We just did. God damn it! I just remember watching the show Pokemon every morning before school, and it would piss James off <sighs> because he hated that I would come over just to watch Pokemon before we went to school because <laughs> we were like juniors in high school. Whoa. What's up? This is it's uh, the twentieth anniversary. Of Pokemon? Yup. I wanna be the very best. Wait, you were watching Pokemon in high school? Oh, in the mornings. That's it. It's good going. No. What are you watching in the morning? MTV's music rap hour? We were too old for Pokemon. You're talking about juniors in high school? You were watching Pokemon? In the morning before school, yes, I would watch Pokemon. You were too old for Pokemon. No, right, please don't them. kill me. Please don't too, kill me. Please I was too old for Pokemon in public. Yeah. I wasn't too old for Pokemon. You should have kept it. <laughs> baby. Should have kept that one to your grave. Dude, we were just unlucky because we were the we were in high school when Pokemon came out. You know that yeah, shit. Suck a dick. That's Dude, why we Corey's watching, playing it right now. We were watching no, he's he's playing a clone. 
but still. He's, his his guy isn't named Bulbasaur. It's you know something a little cooler. We were watching Dragon Ball Z. You should have been watching Dragon Ball Z. Not in the morning. You couldn't. There wasn't on demand <clears throat> back then. You had to watch what was fucking there, and what was there was either Saved by the Bell reruns, which I'd seen them all, or Pokemon. How am I not getting fucking time on this bitch? All right, let's get started. I just remember you go lick it down, suck a dick, lick it down. Let's get started. All right. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 42. Uh, I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. I'm host number three, Corey. And we're brought to you today by escrowmybits.com. Escrow my bits. Oh, we're going to do the jingle? We're switching it up? Escrow my bits. Escrow my shit with escrow my bits. If that's your thing, you can buy carbon fiber sex swings. It's fast. <laughs> See what you it's did there. Super easy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so here's how it works. You register, deposit Bitcoin, seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, and then they release the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. They currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain peg to a fiat value using NewBits. And if you're unfamiliar with NewBits, it's the world's first stable digital currency. And they charge a small flat escrow fee of just 1% on all escrow transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So the rest, um, you know, the rest of this little pitch, we want you to go to their website, check out their newsletter, sign up. Because we want there to no longer be any excuses on why to not use escrow. So start the process. Go over to escrowmybits.com. And today's episode, we're talking about uh, micropayments. And um, this is a very cool thing. Uh, if every single one of Nerd Rage's uh, subscribers paid for this new video, uh, he would make around $150,000. And... Um, if if every subscriber paid one cent, he would make around six thousand dollars, which is still insane because that video was probably made with just a few hours of work, uh, and six thousand dollars would also be about double of what he would get with his YouTube advertisement. So this is pretty revolutionary. We're going to talk about um, you know the YouTube star Nerd Rage has six hundred thousand subscribers and he's testing Bitcoin micropayments for his videos. Um, what do you guys think? Is this pretty innovative? Or I guess the other the other side of the argument is that there there's a uh, there's a reason the entire internet has moved towards selling of 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 user data and advertising for for profits, not unlocking things for money. Um, so there's two sides of the argument here. What do you guys think? Um, I think it's a brilliant idea. I mean, microtransactions. Are a brilliant idea. Pay per minute to pay per view. It's a great idea. It's hard to. I think it's hard to execute because in a day and age where people, increasingly like our age and younger, hate paying for shit. You know, you still have to deal with that. You know, um, I think it's great though. Like for him to get paid for the work that he puts out, unlike on YouTube where he probably doesn't get paid very much. For his content that he's putting out there and is generating traffic to places. But um, 
Yeah, I think it's an amazing idea. I hope it takes off. I'd love for it to take off. Hell, I'd love to try it myself, you know? Will we do it? I think we should toss some video up on the internet. Man, we have faces that need to be seen. Well, what about audio only? Like, what if what if there was a way to incorporate this into, like, the podcast app on an iOS? Mm-hmm. Or why can't Wall Street Journal do this with their subscriber content? Or, like, a Chrome extension that allows you to deposit, like, a trivial amount of Bitcoin, the fun website content that would normally be, like, pay-to-play? I mean, these you, are all great ideas. You wouldn't even need to bust out your, your wallet to scan the QR code in that scenario, you oh. know? If there's a built-in wallet to the web browser or something, or your phone. You know? I think BitGo is, is trying to do that. With microtransactions? Yeah, they're working on the Brave browser Bitcoin wallet. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin. I downloaded the Brave browser. Oh, yeah? It is as advertised. Fast as uh. bows. It is very fast. Faster than Chrome, faster than... Faster than uh, the other Netscape one that people Navinger. use. It's way faster than AOL. Um, especially, it doesn't have all the noises when you open it, so that helps. What's and it then, called? Uh, Brave. Have you guys heard of Nerd Rage? You listen to any of his videos? Is no. Nerd Rage the guy that did the Mega Man video? No, that's Mega Rand. Nerd Rage is the guy who actually does scientific experiments. Like, it's there's no gimmick. No, I haven't heard of him. I haven't seen his stuff. But I do know that he was a running shit in Reddit the other day. That that uh or the post that our guest had our guest today. He posted about Pop Chest and posted about Nerd Rage. I feel like I have seen him before. I have I gone on a Nerd Rage before about several things. Batman, climate change. Uh, well, he stole your idea then. Hopefully, more people. Bad, man. I want people to grow comfortable with the ad-free content because Bitcoin micropayments is going to enable like a widespread ad-free content platform. You so, know? so what do what do people do to advertise then? If 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 there's a massive shift to ad like ad-free content, what They'll do find do a way. to to get their name out there? They'll find a way, man. There's there's always a way. There was a South Park episode about that where advertising is getting to a point where you don't even know you're being advertised to. And it's going to get to that point. I do want, I do like one thing about the Brave browsers that I think it proposes the idea of you having a native Bitcoin wallet built into the web browser. And if companies want to advertise to you, <coughs> excuse me, they have to pay a certain amount of Bitcoin that you set in order for the advertisements to show up. So basically, you get, you could get paid a little bit amounts of Bitcoin just to surf the internet. What about this? What if you pay 50 cents and then the next 10 views are free and you get people who didn't want to pay and some paying for their views so you get more exposure, more money potentially since those free viewers would never pay anyways? That could be sufficient. We should test this out when we're ready. Test out seeing how we can get paid for some of the content we create. And then we could tell everyone how it works. I just know in today's day and age, the freemium model takes hold. I know myself even do it. Like, oh, here's an app. That looks awesome. Is there a free version? Yes, there is. I will be ignoring ads and getting the free version. 
Yeah. Remember, remember, I talked to you about the law of diffusion and innovation about like the early adapters. Yeah, I do remember, but I don't think our audience does go. Well, let's think of it this way: there are people that that must have the newest iPhone when it comes out, and they pay a premium. Then there are the people that want it, but they're going to wait a year until the price goes down. So if the market is willing to pay a premium for like early exclusive access for content, then why not accept it? Because the basis of this thought is, like in principle, don't aim for a million people to like you. Aim for a thousand people to love you, and those thousand fans are ultimately more valuable over time. And I think that's what he's going for. I think he he feels that advertising devalues you as a viewer. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay. I do know what you mean. So make content that's so damn good, people fall in love with it. All the yeah, love I, juices flow. I feel like if you're like if you're in the Bitcoin space, you're already pandering to the that that first ultra people who love Bitcoin, right? Mm. So if you're creating apps for Bitcoin, then you're already pandering to only people that love Bitcoin. So then you've you've decreased your market size, and then and the number of people you're trying to market to, and the types of people you're marketing to. And so if you're creating Bitcoin services that are only pandering to people who love Bitcoin, then you kind of have it, 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 that that law either doesn't apply or is skewed in some in some in some sense. Yeah, Cello, I think that he was looking for an answer. I was hoping you'd have some some insight or like, what is, <laughs> what is your opinion on? This? <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you do me Can you do me a favor and repeat the second half of that sentence? <laughs> Dimitri, I need you to edit this. <laughs> oh. no. uh, so, all right, let's just repeat the whole thing. Okay. Uh, Bitcoin already tries to market, or like people who make Bitcoin services are already marketing to the people who love Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. the later adopters will come later. They don't, they almost don't exist or are very small in the current Bitcoin market because you need to know about Bitcoin and able to use it and then tell people about it. So like the mass adoption isn't quite there yet. So people who are making Bitcoin services are kind of screwed in terms of this, this law that you, you've quoted because the entire market isn't there. They don't, mm-hmm. they, they're only, they're only the number of people they're pandering to is smaller because there's only people who love Bitcoin. Right. I think I think uh, I think the model that people are doing is like you know he's taking Nerd Rage who has six hundred thousand subscribers you know you have someone like Dell who has millions of customers uh, Steam who has millions of customers and then they're introducing Bitcoin and using that as an education platform because I think the idea is that they start building traction with actual users instead of on-ramping people straight out of the dark I think that's the strategy because by the time they do the scalability solutions will already be in place. And I think that's how they're, how everyone's attacking it. There's going to be a nasty McNasty network effect when steam does their thing. I think because there's a good amount of nerds out there that hate Bitcoin because they're stupid. But then there's also a great amount of nerds out there that love Bitcoin because they're smart and all (laughs) of them are using steam. And once they see like, Oh my God, not only can I get games with Bitcoin? And it's awesome. I can I can get discounts if I use purse, or I can get just discounts maybe from Steam when Steam wisens up and says, "Oh, I'm saving money on processing on the end." Maybe they don't have to because I know Visa like S is the D of businesses that provide a lot of revenue. 
So maybe they don't pay that much in credit card fees. Um, but yeah, like your friends on Facebook who didn't know what Steam was, like he has another question in front of him before he gets to what is Bitcoin. Yeah. If people already know what Steam is, then they can answer that. Well, their what if question on Bitcoin. I guarantee you, and this is a conservative estimate, that 60% of the people on Steam know what Bitcoin is. Yeah. yeah. I, but then I, I guarantee you, like, maybe 4% of those people actually use Bitcoin. That, okay, I could probably maybe go with that. I'd put 4%, man. That's a pretty... That's, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the second... I've heard of Bitcoin, 60%. I'd say 4% are actually using it. Yeah, yeah 4% using that. it, 60% heard of it. And then 40, that other 40%, it's a toss-up on people that are going to use it or not. That's a drastic difference between hearing of Bitcoin and knowing what Bitcoin is. But let me tell you, since an interesting thing has happened for me personally is it's a psychological effect. Whenever the price is going up, I spend more Bitcoin. It's 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 crazy how it happens. Like I've been spending nothing but Bitcoin the past week because the price is going up. And what's awesome is I'll go out and I'll spend ten bucks. And then I open up my app and I'm look and I have more money than I did before. And I'm like, damn, if only I hadn't spent that 10 bucks, I'd have even more money. But but still, like, it's like I'm spending no money. It's kind of cool. So how are you spending your Bitcoin? Uh, with the shift card. Right. What are you buying? Um, everything. Last week I was buying lunch. I was buying dinner. Uh, yesterday I bought a bunch of stuff for this game that I play. It's a very cool strategy card game. <laughs> and, um what else i bought something off of amazon with it you could spend it anywhere you spend visa like if you know strippers had a barcode re- or a magnet strip reader in their butt cheeks i'd be swiping it in there too you know what i mean so it's uh but i spend more when the price is going up so i'm obviously going to spend more when the price is going up drastically right because when we go to the moon or surpass that and go to Mars, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to spend my money. So, for sure. Anyways, we're getting off track. Bitcoin. There's some cool things that have been happening. Uh, 21.co, uh, or the 21 company, I don't know how you'd say it in passing, but they develop their own microtransactions, kind of payment channels, kind of system that rivals the Lightning Network, I believe. Um,. You guys want to talk about that? I thought that was really cool. Yeah, start me up. I think if I read it right, and I have a tendency to not read these technical things right, um, and then readers call me out on it, or listeners call me out on it, but um, they open somewhat of like payment channels. So any computer can download this 21 company client and open up a payment channel, and thousands of transactions can go through this payment channel. And when it reaches a certain threshold, I believe, those transactions then get posted to the actual Bitcoin blockchain, and they pay a cumulative fee to the miners. Okay, so um, why would a computer open up a transaction channel on 21 Bitcoin Network? That's the part I don't know, and that's the part I prefer I should have read about before the show. (laughs) Okay. Um, so maybe maybe a merchant decides to use yes the twenty one Bitcoin network as their 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 point of sale, mm-hmm. and they do all of their transactions on the twenty one Bitcoin network through what a currency? Bitcoin through the Bitcoin currency. Yes, 
So, and they just do all of their transactions on the 21 Bitcoin network, mm-hmm. right? And at some point, when enough has accumulated, it then settles with the Bitcoin network. I do believe that is what's happening. That seems logical in terms of how things should work, in terms of microtransactions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, ah, too much reading. Should have read before the show. Oh, well. Well, is do you think the twenty the twenty one computer is the future of micropayments? Um, do I think it's the future of micropayments? I think it's closer than micropayments than anybody else is attempting to do. I mean, like I think I said on the show uh, a long time ago, if there is a huge twenty one Bitcoin network layer that is also running parallel with Bitcoin, then when people are on these twenty one computers or have these twenty one chips, they don't have to worry about the miner fee because they are mining Bitcoin at the same time. So basically you can send transactions for whatever amount. If it's on the 21 network, there's no fee because all of those chips, not only are they a part of the network, they're also mining at the same time. So they're just basically paying fees to each other. So you can have micro transactions. All right. So the, the net, the, the, the lightning or the 21 like the network yeah has each of those 21 computers mines something yes it's not mining the bitcoin network it's mining the 21 network no 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 it's mining bitcoin okay so at what point do like what's the point of holding up the 21 bitcoin network if no one's securing it <coughs> what how is it being secured it's being secured by the bitcoin blockchain okay how there's things I don't know. Stuff I should research before I present it on the show. Yeah, um, I'm not sure about the way that. I'm not, I'm not sure how that how that is secured in, in general. It's what I do. It's definitely the first way, the first implementation of a side chain or sub chain or whatever the current word or correct word for this is uh, that the Lightning Network is supposed to be, but because we don't have segregated witness yet, and the Lightning Network is kind of pushed by another third party. Like each of these side chains or or like the microtransaction chains where you put a lot of transaction volume onto it is going to make money of some, of some sort. And it'll be to the company that is providing that service. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a layer of fees of some sort on top of the Bitcoin blockchain, but allows for extended usability that the Bitcoin blockchain may not allow. Mm -hmm. So, there's at least some type of fee layer associated with that. There has to be, at least under my current understanding. Well, they've got a nice, easy to see, and maybe we could link this in the show notes if we remember, if we go after Bocello. Uh, they got a nice, easy to see uh, visual aid here on their website that says there's three types of micropayment methods that they offer mm-hmm. on chainment payments. On-chain, on-chain, on-chain payments, advantages, very simple to understand, works without any client-server setup or minimum deposit. The disadvantages, up to one transaction per API call, and it's limited by the blockchain. Okay. Mm-hmm. Micropayment channels, only two transactions on blockchain, even for n number of API calls. So that's good, Right. Doesn't matter how many times you call the API, only two transactions. Deposit and final transaction are on the blockchain. 
So that's advantages. Disadvantages. Requires client to have sufficient Bitcoin for deposit. That is a huge disadvantage. Uh, that is non-trivial multiple of API call cost. So you have to calculate how much Bitcoin you're going to deposit if you are going to have that threshold of API calls, which I'm assuming are off-chain transactions. Yes. And then deposit requires confirmation time. So if you are going to open up a micropayment, you'd have to you'd have to deposit a significant amount of Bitcoin just to have your payment channel open. Um, and it's going to take a while for confirmations for it to be set. So there's that. And then the very last is bit transfers, or what they call them. Fast, operate at the speed of the internet rather than the speed of the blockchain. No rate limits. The disadvantages, only one. There's no balance recorded on the blockchain until 21 flush occurs. So those are the pure off-chain transactions. And that's a huge disadvantage. There's no immutability. There probably is. But... There's no record until it flushes to the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah, but it doesn't really generate any excitement on my end. Well, I guess it depends on what type of transaction you're doing. If you're buying a cup of coffee, who gives a shit? The micropayment you're, you're channels. Spinning, yeah, and so like you use whichever service is necessary for the transaction you're doing, which the, the provider of the service will know and will allocate appropriately. Mm-hmm. What about it's over not, the next The user few shouldn't years. give a shit. Once again, the user shouldn't give a shit. It's like the number one foundational rule of what you're going to do with like what needs to happen in Bitcoin, what do you the mean, user the doesn't give a shit. A few years, Joe. What about over the next few years when when the chip gets smaller and less expensive, and then you could put it in third party devices, like cell phones and stuff. Well, like yeah, or, or what about like you a small speaker that acts as an ad free jukebox system? You plug it in, you select the mm-hmm. song. And then the device starts playing, and then the jukebox generates a fraction of a penny for each song played, and then sends it to the copyright owner. The technology would bring like an immediate application for micropayments, and I think that's the only way I'm getting kind of jazzed up about it. So Not it's like a, it's a, Did you just it's a think payment that up right now. You just- well, yeah, I mean, over the next few years, same with iPhones, same with televisions, everything gets smaller and less expensive, and then the future iterations, the iPhone two, three, four, five, are always going to be cooler than the predecessor. And nobody's really jazzed about twenty one ink, but they will be in a couple of years. So you're saying Bitcoin or the the twenty one network it acts as a <coughs> payment network for the Internet of Things? Absolutely. So like your devices can now talk to each other and pay each other without you having to worry about it. And it just allows for you to have really, really cool applications. Yeah, the existing proof of concept for the device is currently aimed at developers who are going to create those applications that are going to use the chip's capabilities. It's already happening. It's just it's it's too big and too expensive right now. Yeah, it. um, They have huge plans at Twenty One Co that are like next level shit, and it's, it's it's really hard to wrap your mind around the direction that they're headed. But given the fact that they were given so much investor money, I'm 100% sure they're putting it to good use. Here's, so. here's, here's an example of, I guess, another example of the Internet of Things. If people don't quite understand what that, that means. And then having a, a transaction network involved with this. It's like, say, for instance, the next, you know, the next level refrigerator can scan your refrigerator and tell you what, and then figure out what you're out of and then automatically place an order to the local grocery store that you need that thing. And then they, and, and then they'll 
deliver it for you. And so you'll just get automatic deliveries at your door of the things you're currently out of if you if you set your refrigerator to automatically repurchase them. And at no point do you need to make a communication to the grocery store or whatever else. It just gets delivered at your door. And the grocery store just gets invoices of what it needs to pack and send out. Yep. And so all this stuff just happens in unison. You don't have to worry about it. You're just like, oh, shit, new milk. Nice. It's here. Somebody needs to Amazon grocery stores. Oh, yeah. That'll happen. I think How's that, that not already happening? Like I just pull up to the curb, my grocery store, my groceries get put in my trunk, and I'm like, "Thanks, refrigerator," and then I go home and I put them in the fridge. Why would you go to the store? Why don't they just come to your door? Oh, because drones aren't that big yet, and I'm not comfortable with drones being that big. Why does it got to be drones? Why can't it just be? People delivering shit. Because I don't trust people, man. I went to McDonald's recently and they fucked up my order. It's McDonald's. Yeah, that's true. But you're going to get the same pimple-faced teenagers working at a grocery store fucking up orders. And that's more vital, man. If I wanted eggs and I don't get my eggs, or if I wanted eggs and it brings me a bunch of cracked pieces of shit, I'm like, what am I going to... I can't make omelets with these unsterile eggs. Well, there has to be there has when it's as this in tech type of technology rolls out and it becomes available, it's going to be cumbersome at first. At any any new technology that comes out, it's going to be cumbersome, and there has to be people that are willing to deal with awkward things just for the sake of making the thing better, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you really believe in the service and the technology and the things like that, and it's a little inconvenient, then you need to use it anyway. So you, one, you can figure out the inconvenience and then relay it to people who can fix it. And two, you're really helping the service grow. So we're pioneers. Whether you, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we're all pioneers who are using Bitcoin and trying to push it. And it, right now, I think it's still at a level of somewhat inconvenient compared to what it's going to be in the future. But you have to really push it and keep using it and relay the problem so that we can, they can be fixed. Mm, I like that, man. I like being a fucking pioneer. Don't you know? <laughs> Cello is it. gone. There he is. Cello, you get distracted over there again. <laughs> yeah. No. I was uh, hearing Corey's birds in the background. Oh. Uh, the birds in gray back there? The birds. Um, let's get into our interview, shall yeah, we? Yeah. So, you going to do the intro? Introduce me? Yeah, man. I soloed this. This is my first solo interview. Solo dolo. Uh, so, over the last month, I think in the, the entire month of January, we were sponsored by, by the protocol.tv and PopChest. And the protocol.tv is, it's purely a Bitcoin blockchain content site. And then PopChest is like the micropayment technology that they want to share with everyone. And, uh, you know, they're a Santa Monica based Bitcoin <laughs> video startup where users can unlock their favorite content simply by paying a Bitcoin. Like we've discussed this whole episode. Um, we invite the, the creator, Mr. Bennett onto the show to discuss his enthusiasm for the world changing possibilities of Bitcoin. And they will release a browsable, searchable portal soon. So if you know of any cool content creators that the service might benefit, let us know and we'll pass it along. And um, I know this is going to be interesting to a lot of people, but go to NakedBitcoins.com. And he has implemented uh, Pop Chess with Porn. So uh, for like 75 cents, you get to see some cam girls for a specific time frame. Pay some bits, you see some bits. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're just making advertisement models for everybody. <laughs> they don't need to pay us. I think that's just a public service for everybody. So, should, 
NakedBitcoins.com is live right now. You can go there and use pop chest and see some titties. Um, but other than that, it sure is. Should we uh, we should roll this podcast into a digital currency consulting advert advertising consulting firm. Like, how do you have the accolades to consult? Listen to the shows, yeah. okay? <laughs> we got you covered. Pay some bits to see some bits. Put it on the internet. <laughs> She's about to lift up that sweater. You better pay 75 cents. <laughs> All right, let's get into the interview. All right, here it is. Let's go ahead and get this popping. All right, so... uh You've been entrenched in the in the film and entertainment industry for for years and years. Uh, what what brought upon like the aha moment to merge blockchain technology with the entertainment industry? Um, yes, good uh, good start. So uh, a little bit about my uh, background. I studied film here in Los Angeles at uh, the University of Southern California. Uh, built a career editing. Uh, started with uh, music videos. So did uh, hip hop videos for a while. Little Wayne, Fifty Cent. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan, uh, from there went into reality TV, mostly, uh, Real World, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, the newest show that I uh, just finished editing last year is going to premiere on E!, the Los Angeles Clippers Dance Squad. Um, so it's uh, I'm used to you know making stuff for a very mainstream uh, mass audience. But originally, um, I was born in San Jose, California. Um, or raised in, in San Jose, which is the heart of, of Silicon Valley. So I've always had kind of a geek in, inside of me. So I had heard of Bitcoin probably 2011, somewhere in there. Um, and like most people, I just thought it was completely ridiculous and, and dismissed it. And over the space of uh, a couple of years, you know, just kept hearing about it, kept hearing about it. And I was like, okay, uh, the next time I get a break from working uh, in between these television shows that I worked on, I'm like, I'm going to make an effort to, to try to understand it. Um, and once I did, I think like most people who end up doing something in this space, you once you kind of really grasp what the possibilities are with this technology, um, it just consumes you. So uh, That it does. Yes. And I was like, okay, I've got to do something. And since I can't program, since I can't code, um, what I can do, my skill set is in, in storytelling and making making pretty pictures. So... I just started going to um, our local uh, Bitcoin meetups and uh, brought my camera there. And I just thought, okay, let's see if we can um, make something that's just uh, digestible, right? You know, a a lot of the stuff uh, online at the time is just, you heard of Bitcoin, it's very confusing or very low quality or, or, um, you know, it's just a lot to grasp. So I was like, all right, let me just, you know, try to make a, a couple of simple videos that just show people talking about the technology and, really doing stuff so um lucked out and the first uh video that i made at our local bitcoin meetup was with uh andreas antonopoulos um he gave a a great great talk about an hour-long talk um and i put it online and that's when it was like wow there there was such a, a positive response to it and my immediate thing was okay i would love to do more of these but how can i make it sustainable right um, right. You throw you throw things on YouTube. You may have a really passionate niche audience, but if you're just throwing ads on things, you know it's not really going to be worth anything. And of course, the simple answer to me was, "Well, geez, if everyone just gave me a quarter, or gave me a dime for uh, watching this video, um, that would make it make it sustainable." 
Um, and I looked around and looked around and no one was, was building the thing that I really wanted, um, that I felt needed to be made. So that's, that's really where I was like, okay, somebody's got to do it. Why not me? And from there, uh, I went to the Bitcoin talk forums and, uh, literally harassed anyone who had ever mentioned anything about micropayments. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked to a lot of people and that's where I met my partner, James Poole, who did uh, one of the first demonstration, actually the first demonstration of uh, Bitcoin micropayment channels. He published that uh, a, a YouTube video of, of that demo, and, and we hit it off and decided what we were going to do, and, and took it from there. And, and that's how Pop Chess was born. Cool. So, so why do you think that you know a micropayment system with such a small user base is even necessary at all? You know, so, how did you conclude that this method is like the best way for content creators to unlock value? Well. I'm not sure it's the best way to be to be completely honest with you, but that's the whole point, which is you need to give people choice. And the choices that people have right now, they're they're clearly telling you that they don't necessarily want those choices, right? So um, why are we talking about ad blockers and and all of these things? It's because people are unsatisfied by having um, commercials thrown at them when they want a piece of content. You know, the flip side of that is why do we have piracy? We have piracy because people don't want uh, a cable subscription, then another channel subscription, and then another package subscription just so they can watch Game of Thrones, right? And when you think about it, every bit of uh, video content right now, it lives in those two categories for the most part. It's either ad-supported or subscription-supported. So what if there's a middle way? What if there's a a third way, a, a middle ground, if you will, that just kind of fits more in line with what I think a lot of people would like, which is I just want I want. I just want what I want when I want it, and I don't want to pay for anything else that I don't want. Um, and that's kind of what micropayments allows you to do. Um, now, it's probably not going to be the best for every type of content, but my gut tells me that there's, uh, you know, this is a, a, a big, massive, massive market, and if you give people more of an option to to customize their own experience and have a more on-demand experience, um, then I think a lot of people are going to be um, satisfied by that. Absolutely. And and if we look at the, I guess, the other side of the fence, why do you think that the biggest exploitation of this entire century is the fact that artists and creators are just not getting paid for their value? Well, that's, that's a really, really big question. And, you know, in part, it's, it's been a, an issue of just the technology. Um, so think of it this way. It, I'm coming from a, a traditional media background where um, I get paid. I see you know, the full staff around me with assistant editors and other editors and uh, story producers. And you know, there's, every time you see the credits on any kind of reality TV show, you're, there's probably 40 or 50 people. Um, and everyone's you know, doing, doing all right in that, in that industry. But if you think about it, there's a television network involved. There's a series of advertising companies involved. Um, All of the commercials that you see, all the the subscription for cable channels, all of that exists because up until now, there hasn't been a way for just me to give you money for something that I like. Right? So all of those other things are just layers in between because there hasn't really been a way possible to, to be as direct <laughs> as peer-to-peer money allows you, you to be. 
Um, so to me, that's one of that's the biggest change. It's like it's one of those things where you say, "Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if?" But you couldn't really ever finish the sentence because the technology didn't really allow you to. Now mm-hmm. we can we can finish that sentence with, "Wouldn't it be nice if?" Oh, and when you go to popchess.com, this is how it works. You do this, 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 and at least you give people the opportunity to um, to answer that question, which is, "I value something." I'm going to give you value for it, and there's benefits for for both sides of that transaction. Yeah, I like that because a couple episodes ago we were talking with a musical artist who was kind of expressing the same frustrations. Like there's just there's so many chefs in the kitchen, and there just there wasn't a better way to get paid or or to be a more liberating artist until right now. And it, it seems like you're doing that with the entertainment industry, so that's pretty awesome. I like that. Excellent. And we've been telling everybody about Pop Chest at, at the top of our show for over a month now. Uh, you, you know, tell us a bit about about Pop Chest itself, it, its its evolution, and and why every YouTube star uh, should switch over to Pop Chest. Well, that's the um, that's the exciting part. You know, over the last couple of months, going through the holidays, everyone, um, you know, has kind of been off doing their own thing. And over that time period, we've just been we've had our heads down, been um, uh, just building out our platform and. Now it's like okay, we're ready to to share what we're what we're doing. So that's why um, doing shows like this and and just trying to raise more awareness about about who we are. So that um, this next couple of weeks, uh, just really excited about the stuff we're doing. In particular, uh, we have our first big YouTube star. His name is Nerd Rage. Uh, that's N U R D R A G E, and he does uh, these crazy chemistry experiments on on YouTube. He's got about uh, 600,000 subscribers, and he's going to be using our platform to release uh, a video rather than put it on YouTube and, and really give us a good sense of, okay, this is a great idea, but will it work at this kind of scale? How many yeah. people will um, actually make that jump? So uh, super, super exciting time. Um, but our premise is if, if we get just a fraction of his audience, and I don't want to bore you with that, the math of YouTube economics, but if we get just 2%, 3% of, of what his normal audience would be and mm-hmm. convert them to uh, a micropayment system where they're just directly paying him a quarter for his, uh, for his videos, then um, he's going to do exceptionally well in comparison to just throwing that video out on YouTube. So um, if we can prove that model, which... Although the tracking and, and response so far is, is telling us that we are, then then it's off to the races. And and do you see YouTube Red being uh, a thorn in your paw at all? Um, it's unclear what what actual benefits um, YouTube Red is going to uh, to give to uh, a lot of content creators. Because here's the thing, and this is a I think it's a really a broader indication of our society. But the system is that that exists right now with YouTube. It's like for subscribers, um, for YouTube Red, which is the YouTube subscription service, it looks like the people at the top, you know, the, the PewDiePies and the, you know Tyler Oakleys of the world, like they're gonna they're gonna benefit disproportionately well. So the the ones at the top, they're gonna be doing it, well. and there's a whole bunch at the bottom who aren't really gonna get monetized at all. And the problem is the ones in the middle, right, where you have half a million subscribers, where you have 600, 700, 800,000 um, people who are, are fans of your content. And I've, I've worked on shows where it's like, if you get 
700,000 viewers on the cooking channel, you're going to get a second season budgeted at, you know, a couple of million dollars. But if you're a YouTube star and you're getting 650,000 people watching your show every week, you know, you probably can't pay your college tuition. And it's, it's such a disproportionate um, uh, kind of split of equity, right? The, mm-hmm. the platform itself, YouTube itself, if you broke it out of, of Google, um, who knows how much it would be. But just to give you a, a frame of reference, Netflix is valued at a little over $30 billion. Wow. So yeah. let's let's put let's just broadly say YouTube is is you know about about the same or at least in in the same ballpark. So do you really think that the people who are getting the most views, that sort of middle class of YouTube, do you think they're um, fairly compensated in that in that roundup? And it's just not. There's just not, it makes me angry. No way they're getting fairly compensated. But the platform itself is worth you know tens of billions of dollars. So uh, if we can just scrape a little bit off that and actually give it to the people who are making things that people value, then I think everyone's going to be so much happier with that system. Yeah, it's like success limbo. That must be really frustrating because you're you're popular, but you're not popular enough, I guess. Oh my god, there's um, there's there's a, a site called TubeFilter, which is um, you know, kind of one of the industry trades that, that keeps up on YouTube stars and. <laughs> There's stories of, of uh, you know, people who have popular channels, but they're like working in Starbucks, right? And then yeah. they have to they have to quit their job because they're so popular that people are coming into the store and like, hey, I know you, blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. But they can't make a mon- enough money from that that they have to work in Starbucks in the first place. It's like wow. it's, it's such a catch twenty two. No kidding, and, fame without all the benefits. Right. No, but you've, you've got social credit. It's like you can't pay your bills with, with social credit. Absolutely. And then you got a, I guess you have a, a more user-friendly version uh, of Pop Chess dropping next week. Uh, can, you, can you share any details with us about that? Yeah. So the first, um, the first uh, build, if you will, was, was more of a proof of concept than anything. Uh, and, of course, now that we... We've got some more time and energy and effort to, to put into it. We're basically trying to make things as user-friendly as possible. So if you have a YouTube channel, uh, the interface is going to be um, it's going to be similar. So you'll, you'll get a sense of if you already are doing this, then moving over to our system is not going to be any mental burden for you at, at all. The only difference, of course, is that you, you get to connect your, your Coinbase Bitcoin wallet for, uh, for the back end so you can get paid directly um, from viewers. And, and outside of that, we're just, you know, making it nicer and smoother and faster and more responsive. So uh, hopefully after this next success that we, that we have and start to get more people coming, they'll, they'll feel right at home right off the bat. Well, we'll, we'll scream from the mountaintops. We'll, we'll try to get as many people as we can over there. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the cool thing. It's like the um, we we do two things. Once uh, you actually sign up and start uploading videos, we <coughs> automatically create a page on PopChest. Um, so you, if you let's say don't have web hosting or anything like that, if you don't have a website, you can send people uh, our way and, and have them consume your video on our site. Or uh, we give you an embed code as well. So it's like a, a simple iframe code. Um, that you can just put onto your website and have your video be on 
whatever site that you want. So, for example, um, uh, theprotocol.tv, which is uh, a website that does uh, Bitcoin and blockchain-related content, that's a WordPress site. And you just copy and paste the little, the little code onto their WordPress site, and it just lives. It just lives there. So we try to give artists as much flexibility as possible, so they can can control the experience as much as they want, um, and let them take it from there. Very cool. And it, if we, you know, kind of stay on the topic of the protocol TV, um, the people that visit the site, uh, can you can you leak any upcoming content previews uh, in the coming months and weeks? Yeah, we've got, uh, with the protocol.tv, we actually, uh, you know, when I, I told you I started to, to make videos, that's um, what I branded it as, um, and it's just, you know, stuff I enjoy seeing. There's so many interesting stories and, and just cool people, and, you know, one of my personal mantras has just been to um, show interesting people using this technology to solve real problems, um, and that's just something that we've, we've focused on, and it's basically been... Um, kind of a, a reference implementation of, of our micropayments technology, right? So, uh, you know, how do you get the first user? You basically become the first user yourself and then demonstrate to everyone else uh, yeah. what we've uh, what you're able to do with that. So our most recent video has been super, super successful. Um, we've had an hour-long interview with uh, the founder of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin, uh, which is still up on our site. Uh, we've got cool stuff coming up with uh, actually your guys uh, from Lawnmower. Um, did a little uh, office tour with with them a little while back. Uh, there's the guys from uh, the guy from CoinCube, which is uh, an automated Bitcoin trading site. Um, so we like to mix it up and, and just try to find people who are doing cool stuff and, and give them a platform for <laughs> for other people to see. the The next big thing I'm super excited about is. Um, uh, let me actually take one step back. A little while ago, I did a uh, short documentary film. Uh, it was in Buenos Aires, Argentina. So it's called Bitcoin Buenos Aires, and, and that went over really, really well. I think it's probably close to 100,000 views or something like that. Um, and I've wanted to do kind of uh, community explorations, if you will. Let's just call it that. Uh, just to really give people uh, a glimpse of like, hey, this is, this is a real thing around the world, and some really smart people are doing Really amazing things, um, and I've always wanted to do a sequel to that. And just the the events are conspiring to make that happen. So uh, we're probably going to be doing a crowdfunding in the next couple of weeks for the sequel to that, and we're going to be going to Mexico City. So a lot of amazing development down there. Um, really kind of healthy environment in Mexico City, from exchanges to different services. Um, and if anyone. You know, next to to Argentina, I think Mexico is probably um, the country that's that's taking so many different parts of uh, the Bitcoin protocol and, and really putting them to use in a way that that's going to help people on, on such a massive scale. If you think transparency, if you think remittances, um, you think all the different ways that this technology can help people um, banking the unbanked. It, it's all of it wrapped into one, and we've got a really good environment down there to to showcase that. Well, we can't wait for that. That sounds great, awesome. And then uh, you're going to be using uh, Kickstarter, I assume, or GoFundMe. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to do Indiegogo. Oh, okay, Indie, great. Indiegogo, and uh, one of the cool things is uh, obviously you know you can fundraise using credit cards in there, but 
Um, they seem to be the most permissive in allowing Bitcoin. You can't do it natively within the system, um, but we're really big fans of what the guys at uh, CoinKite have been doing with their uh, Bitcoin buttons and make they make it super super simple to be able to um, kind of collect a Bitcoin in that in that uh, same sort of mo- in the same sort of model where you basically just put a, a collection button on a page and they make it you know as super easy as you can possibly make a multi signature at, at that kind of application. Cool. So and for anyone who's listening, we'll we'll tweet that out and and post that. Uh, and we're going to be contributing as well because that sounds Sweet. great. Love it, love it. And I, at the top of this interview, you you mentioned that you know you're, you're part of the Silicon Valley scene and, and you're a part of the entertainment scene. Um, if you don't mind me asking, you know, with all this, um, I guess this Oscar controversy, you know, Chris Chris <laughs> Rock recently, yeah, you know, it, it, he said that it, you know the, in the entertainment industry is a white industry, just as the NBA is a black industry. And, you know, I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is. But, you know, there's not a lot of people of color in the Valley. And that by itself can make it kind of unwelcoming. Have you experienced any pushback or, or any struggles within the space yourself? Well, I'll, I'll say this. First and foremost, um, making a startup is hard. <laughs> just period, right? It's hard for everyone. Statistically, what is it, like 90 <laughs> plus percent of startups never uh, amount to anything. So... Um, just off the bat, it's it's ridiculously difficult, and um, I'm sure you've you've been if you've had your eyes open at all, you've seen a lot of the discussions about diversity in Silicon Valley in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the fact that there that those discussions are even happening is a step in in the right direction. Um, so I I definitely wouldn't say that I've had any particular pushback, but I think the the main thing for me is that. Um, if you surround yourself with the right people, good things will happen. Obviously, it's it's not guaranteed, um, but you know I've met so many people who have just you know people who've accomplished a lot of things who basically are just giving me their their time to um, you know to provide you know mentoring or, or resources or, or connections. Um, so I, I'll definitely say that my my experience has been positive so far. Um, then again. We're an unfunded, bootstrapped company, right? So I'll, I'd like to give you a much different answer once we actually get uh, funded because that seems to be where, really where the, the rubber hits the road. And I think the, the main problem, which I think they're, it's funny because they are very similar problems, which is it's a problem of uh, insulation, right? So, mm-hmm. You know, it's mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest one of all? It's like, you know, when you're in a position of authority, generally you're going to surround yourself with people who look like you, right? Who sound like you. Yeah. Because in a certain way, it's like, hey, I'm successful and I, and I walked to this path. Therefore, if someone else has walked that same path, um, then they're more likely to resonate with me. It's human nature. It's, uh, it's a, a human flaw, if you will. But, you know, that's that's just kind of the deal, right? So the important mm-hmm. part, I think, is to, you know, try to find those people who can see beyond themselves, um, who have a much more holistic view of the world. And, and you know, hopefully good things will happen when you, when you, kind, of, um, when you kind of get around those people. So uh, the bigger, I think the bigger answer to your question <laughs> is how do you change that? Um, it's just, you know, 
it's just like everything else. It takes hard work. It's going to take time. It's going to take hopefully people like me who become successful and then, you know, open the door for other people um, to have that same level of that same level of access um, to possibilities, right? No one's looking for a handout. Right, you right. just want you just want the opportunity to be the best that you can possibly be and get as much of a fair shake as as possible. Um, the reality, of course, is life is horribly unfair, <laughs> um, but that's that's what you know going into it. And ultimately, you have to be somewhat delusional in that. You're like, hey, this is my idea. I'm going to make it succeed no matter what the obstacles are. So if these are my obstacles, these are my obstacles. doesn't really matter because I'm going to win anyway. Well, I'm, I'm just glad that you're not jaded and you're remaining optimistic. And that's the attitude you need to be successful. So I, I have no doubt you will be successful. I mean, it's as simple as that. Excellent. Fulfillment. If I don't believe it, no one else will. Hashtag progress. I love it. <laughs> a more, a more lighthearted. I'm, I'm going to switch gears. Um, on, on Twitter recently, it was leaked that Kevin Spacey is actually a huge fan of cryptocurrency. Uh, being around a lot of celebrities in your career, are there any personalities that you could tell us that we would be surprised to know uh, that that are fans of blockchain, Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera? Um, yeah, that's it's it's a really good question. I, I met um, very briefly Fifty Cent a little while ago. Uh, actually, it was last year in in Las Vegas, and you know he was one of the first um, people who uh, took uh, Bitcoin for his albums. One of his uh, with the albums. lion in front, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, his, his uh, famous line on uh, you know one of the late night shows was uh, "All money is money." Um, that's true. So I think it's. You know, there's there's certainly a strain of um, of self-made people, if you will. Um, you know, people who hustle, people who understand the value of um, money from your work. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of those artists over the course of time because you know you have to build the tools, you have to build the infrastructure, um, you have to find successes so that you can hold up and show, hey, this is this is actually a thing that's that's going to work, but you know, I think a lot of people instinctively get it. It's just a matter of doing all of the other things um, in terms of providing that the um, all the infrastructure and, and all of the processes in place. And once you can kind of show that and show in a way that this is stable, this is real, people are willing to do this, um, you know, it's always the first one that's difficult. It's always, you know, that first push that's difficult. Um, but the the, the the good thing is that once you get that first push, um, you generally have you can you can generally depend on the pack to move as a pack. So right. if you can get that first movement in the right direction, uh, then I think you'll see a lot more. And you're seeing it with you know people like uh, Louis C.K. who recently uh, released just randomly released uh, one of his shows, um, which he's done a couple of times now using Bitcoin. So. There's certainly a, a thread of people. It's just a matter of, of getting some good momentum together and, and pushing it forward. Absolutely. I, I hope when 50 Cent declared bankruptcy, he didn't have to give up his Bitcoin. <laughs> I hope. Uh, that we'll was see. a strategic withdrawal. I'm sure he's got it hidden. He's got his keys hidden somewhere. I like that. Yeah, strategic withdrawal. I like that. <laughs> last last question I got for you. It might be the hardest. Um, and we ask it to all our guests. It's, it's kind of like a, 
I would say it's a 60-40 success rate. So let, let's give it a shot. Um, <laughs> in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Well, I feel like I'm slightly cheating because since, I, since I'm first and foremost a fan of the show that I listen to it, so I know this is coming. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to keep it simple. Magic internet money. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, love it. It's like you know, for, 41 episodes in, you're the first person to be like, you know, I listened to the show. I knew that. I knew the question was coming. You're the first <laughs> one to do that. I was going to try to play it off, but eh, I'm not that good of an actor. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I, I'm up to date with, with, uh, with your schedule. I know you have like air bits. Um, you're you're going to be speaking at the meetup. I'm, I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to Facebook it. I'm going to let everybody know about you and, and, and your cause and your service. And, and we thank you. Thanks for yeah, by. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking with uh, at the San Diego Bitcoin Meetup with at the Airbits uh, uh, offices at the end of the month, and that'll that's really going to be the place where we uh, demonstrate the actual data from uh, our upcoming event with with Nerd Rage. So hopefully, it'll be uh, I'll have a lot of, of, of good things to share with the rest of the world. Absolutely, we we wish we could be there, but you know the the next best thing is just to tell the world. Absolutely. And if you go to popchess.com on February 17th, that's the day we're going to drop the Nerd Rage video. Uh, look forward to it, and we'll take it from there. There you go. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Feel better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the interview with Mr. Bennett over at Pop Chests. And yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was my first solo interview. And uh, this is really important because for like one micropayment, someone like Nerd Rage generates the same revenue as 50 advertising-supported viewers. So this is next-level stuff. And uh, I also wanted to say thank thanks to him for talking to me about the um, Oscar nomination diversity stuff. So that was really cool. And um, I had a lot of fun. It was a cool guest. Mm-hmm. I to me, it's like this, guys. And when I say guys, I'm talking to you listeners out there. Bitcoin needs an economy. It needs a use case that's specific that can proliferate and have a network effect. So if people are providing this content on PopChest and on Protocol.tv, we should support it. Take the, I know the internet and the real world pulls you in three million directions on where you're going to focus your entertainment, what you're going to spend time on. Because in a time when there's so many things, you got on demand, you got YouTube stars, YouTube movies, Netflix movies that are fucking amazing, Daredevil's coming out, like all this shit's amazing. Like, what do I do with my time? How do I spend my entertainment time? If you spend a little bit of your entertainment time, it's just a little bit of your Bitcoin on one of these guys who are taking a chance with microtransactions and say he starts making an ass ton of money. Do you think he's not going to go tell his other YouTube friends like, hey guys, you know, I posted that one video on YouTube and I got 10 bucks. It was great. I went out and got a hot dog from Sonic. But I posted that same video on Pop Chest and now I bought a house. Yep. And the best thing is they, you know, like if you watch a video on YouTube and like they keep history, like, you know, if you watch a My Little Pony video and the next time you go there, there's My Little Pony videos everywhere. If that's your thing, they verify payment on a blockchain, but they keep the record on your browser. They're not interested in giving a permanent record of your viewing habits. So after you pay, they give you the option to download the video for you to watch whenever you please. There's there's no DRMs. So I think that's really cool, too. 
it's great stuff, guys. And if we support these guys that are creating content, you're only going to get better content. You're going to get more content. Trust me, there would be a massive exodus on YouTube content creators if Pop Chess takes off and if it is perfectly viable for these people to make a living off of microtransactions from Bitcoin. Here's an here's an here's an interesting like if because it's going to take a while before this before this is ubiquitous and everybody uses it and it's the way things go. But can you imagine a scenario where if enough people, enough content providers move into this type of this realm that people just use Bitcoin kind of as like a prepaid card to use these services. So yeah. like they, they can load up their account with a certain amount of money they want to use that month through through media and then they can just watch whatever they want and then kind of watch their prepaid card go down, recharge it if they want with more Bitcoin, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. It'll be in like that way, early days. It would be. And that way you know like – it's the same thing you're doing with Netflix. It's just you pay a monthly fee and watch whatever you want. But you're 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 giving the money that you're prepaying your card with directly to the thing that you're watching, yeah. as opposed to going through a middleman who takes a very large cut of it. And so, if you really want to support the things that you're watching, it's, you're only watching the things you like, obviously. Mm-hmm. Then this is just a better. This is a way to cut out the middleman and just yeah. give the money directly to the content provider. But you're doing the exact same thing. If there's the thing is, if there's enough content for you to want to do this, yeah. To me, I liken it to small business, big business. Like, there's always signs that say "support small business owners," right? Because those are the people with the families. Those are the people that are contributing to their local economies. Those are the people you give money to because they probably deserve it more than Walmart. All Walmart did was come in and crunch a bunch of numbers and decide if they were going to make profit or lose profit. And then they just spent the money to build the big box and filled it with a bunch of employees that don't give a shit about you. But if you go to the small business, those are the people that are like, God damn, I got to keep these people coming back to my store. What kind of creative, unique shit can I do in order to support my family? So, like, the small businesses of the YouTube world are the people that are going to be on Pop Chest. Support yeah, but, them because you're going to get the good shit. If, if everything moves towards this... Not everybody can be a creator. I mean, it's that's true. I mean, it's, if you if you if you have this crazy, crazy, crazy amount of people switching over to <laughs> this type of content, then it's like you have almost option paralysis. You're going to have only a certain mm-hmm. amount of good mm-hmm. things to watch, and and and, and the rest of it is just going to perish. They're not going to get anything. Yeah, Maybe I don't know. I think it's a unique idea, man, and I, I'm glad that. Bitcoin is finally getting these use cases that are emboldened and they're flushing out of all the buzzwordy bullshit to see like, oh, wow, you know, we've had just a a slew of guests on that are doing some unique Bitcoin specific things. And I'm excited that now those things are starting to take hold. And there's no surprise why it coincides with the recent price increases. So, um. But another thing I wanted to bring on, put on the table, was the scaling consensus that apparently was met and then not met and then met and then not met. This all went down yesterday, which would have been February 20th for us Texans, uh, 21st for you Easterners. Um, yeah, apparently Core came up with a scaling map that everyone and their mom agreed on. 
I know my well, mother personally sent me an email and said that she signed the scaling map. And I said, Mom, the, the scaling map was between Chinese Chinese miners and 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 core. That's really about it. That's that. That was the consensus that was made. Has nothing to do with classic, right? No, not at all. Classic man. So I mean, yeah, they presented a, a roadmap yeah. that I think is 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 good enough. I mean, it's. It's at least something that the, the users and, and the community can look at and say, okay, that's what you're doing. And if someone else, i.e. Classic, comes out with their own roadmap, which they either have done or about to do, then everyone knows all the information and then you can make a, cho- you can make a choice. And whichever, wins out, whichever, whichever one wins out is the one that wins out. Correct so it's good that they've come out with something. But the consensus, in air quotes, wasn't made amongst you know the entire community. The consensus yeah. was made amongst... Um, a good portion of the mining community in China, uh, not there, but it 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 left out a lot of the uh, the outside of China mining community and yeah. core. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Corey. I could be wrong. I can't remember everything from that Bitcoin class we took last year. But um, what transaction priority does the larger amount of Bitcoin in the transaction plus the fee give it a higher priority? Than say a little tiny ass transaction with a higher fee, or is it just strictly the fee that gives priority? Just the fee. It, it's okay. it's agnostic to the amount being moved. Okay, thought so. Okay, I just need a quick clear up. You know, clear up sesh. And there's a lot of different things that are happening to to either compress. Transaction size so it allows for more transactions. The segregated witness and then the, the compression stuff that other people are working on that allow just more things to fit in. What's beautiful now is that it seems like the entire community is starting to realize that no matter how beautiful and awesome Bitcoin is, it's the user's experience at the end of the day that's going to bring more and more people to Bitcoin. Once and that's again, getting easier. Users shouldn't give a fuck. User, exactly. Users should not give a fuck. You know, I, I do not give a fuck about the process that allows me to pay for my gasoline at the pump. Quite honestly, I know it's intense. I know it's complex. I know there's protocols firing off at the speed of light. But I know deep down in my soul, I give zero fucks. I just know I can swipe my card, get my gas, drive on. I don't have to go see the clerk. That every time I see a gas station clerk, it just it just makes me sad a little bit. Sometimes there's very few happy gas station clerks, and boom. So the user is what matters most. Am I right? I think I'm right. I think you're right. Um, let's riggedy wrap it up. Yeah. So let's wrap this on down. Bring it to Chinatown. Uh, we've. Had some success here recently, right, fellas? Yeah, we're growing, guys, and we can only thank you guys. Hopefully, this shit's spreading word of mouth that you guys like what you hear. So, if you do like what you hear, go to iTunes, give us a five star review. You give us a five star review, we'll give you five star content. We want to be one of those podcasts that shows up when people type in Bitcoin podcast, they see us and they're like, Oh, what are these guys about? and we give them the good shit. So, you know, share our name and stuff. Bitcoinpodcast.com is the website. Go there. But more specifically, go to the newsletter tab 
put in your email address, and you can get nifty newsletters from us once a week that tell you all the cool shit we've been doing. Blogs. Sometimes put pictures up. We're going to try and incorporate a little bit more Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg into our website. Is that correct, Cello? Yep. I don't Um, know what that means. Just memes. I want to get the happening meme where it's Mark Wahlberg from The Happening. And there's a clock. And he's like, what? The trees are talking again. It's happening. But it's the happening because of the happening that's coming up. Anyways. You're going to flesh that out. Those are just ideas. Just ideas. Uh, At the BTC podcast. Picking up. Getting more Twitter followers. We're getting a bunch. Right? I feel like it's gone up like 100 followers recently. We're doing very well. So that's good. Um, What else do we have out there? Zapchain dot com slash z slash just two guys we got one more follower this week guys one more and we're up to 10 we got nine now you know booyah yeah i asked a question on there and somebody answered it and i was like ah i love this community that's right so jabchain.com slash z slash just two guys we're trying to coin a hashtag as well hashtag just two guys so if you want to tweet something about the show to the people that you know and love Put hashtag just you guys. We'll see it and we'll pop in and we'll say some stuff. Maybe even tip you with change Maybe. tip. We might. We'll do that. There's a change tip button just right there on Reddit now. You click it, it makes fills it in. I think it's on Twitter too. I think it's an extension. But anyways, what else am I missing? Um, next week we are going to explore how the blockchain technology affects the real estate. Market transactions, records, investing, kind of like the big short. So we're going to get um, uh, the director of business development, Matt mm-hmm. McKibben, and returning guest Christian Saucier. Should be a good one. Yep. And some shout outs. There was a shout out to to Will. Nathan. Nathan. Shout out to We have Aiden. a lot of friends in this space. Shout out to Aiden. Yep. People Shout out. like us. Oh, yeah. There was a. Like I wanted us. to promote Snapcard because we had a midweek episode and our midweek episodes kind of get glazed over sometimes. Um, mm. So we have an, another episode that we released last week. It was Snapcard, Michael Dunworth. Uh, super duper young, brilliant guy. I think Marcello said he has the best hair in the business. He thought I was joking, but he still hasn't emailed me his shampoo conditioner <laughs> combo. <laughs> And uh, Snapcar is doing great things. Bunch of interviews coming out with him. You could tell he's doing the press gam- gamut. The press gamut. Um, but uh, Unlike yeah. Noel, he's not doing any more press. So if you want to hear about Code Valley, that's yeah. episode. We got the exclusive on Code Valley. Yep. yep. So uh, I guess I'll tip it up. Five-star review on iTunes, please. Newsletter. Sign up for that. Yep. I mean, we could give you neat stuff there. And... Play... Ooh, wow. The outro. 